Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Today is Wednesday, September 18, 2019, and I'm your host, Tori, here live 12 to 2, Monday through Friday, only on Red State Talk Radio. So it's Wednesday. The week has gone really, really slow, or maybe it's just me. But it's like a lot is happening, but it's all happening like at once during the day, and then it's like, oh. Right. Which usually indicates kind of uh, the pullback of a wave, you know, before it comes crashing down. It's one of those exasperated pullbacks before it comes, you know, before it forms that peak. And I feel like that peak is coming on tonight and it'll be exasperated tomorrow and it'll come crashing down on Friday, um, which is unfortunate because it should come crashing down tomorrow that way. It's a work day. That way, a lot of people get to talk about it. Um, Today, I thought I'd introduce you guys to O'Brien, a really handsome guy, piercing blue eyes, um, and very... um, I wouldn't say wordsmithy. He is a guy that knows a lot of stuff. And has a different perspective. Sees a lot, says little. He's smart and careful. So we'll talk about that, the guy that's replacing Bolton today. We'll also talk about um, Saudi Arabia. I mean, we really need to talk about that because they're saying that the UAVs came from the north. And, you know, I might have to actually looking at everything might have to agree. But again, north meaning what? Maybe they're talking about northeastern Syria. Maybe this is why we're saying it's Iran. Maybe we're playing dumb with Turkey, even though it was Turkish UAVs and, 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 and missiles. Maybe we're supposed to play dumb and play along. I don't know. The one thing I do know is, is that the heat has turned up. In the Middle East, our president, instead of uh, relieving some sanctions in order to supposedly facilitate talks with Iran, amplified it, amplified the stress by issuing orders to increase the sanctions. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, a little bit more about Turkey. We'll talk about what happened yesterday with Corey Lewandowski. Man, did he handle them the right way. I mean, that was perfect. Um, Well, also, I guess I want to talk about, you know, maybe I'll start it a little bit lighthearted today. I think maybe we should kind of visit um, Tucker Carlson, who said, you know, 
something odd. He said that the U.S. Navy has confirmed that multiple UFOs are real. And um, I want to play that clip. Uh, Tucker had Nick Pope on, and I thought maybe we could start today's cycle with um, a little bit more lighthearted questions um, in the mainstream. Take a listen. The U.S. Navy just made a stunning admission. Naval officials yesterday confirmed that three separate UFO videos released by the New York Times in 2017 and previewed on the show are actually genuine. They do, in fact, show aerial phenomenon the Navy cannot explain and that, in fact, our understanding of physics cannot explain. The Navy also recently sent a letter to Congressman Mark Walker saying that it takes UFO sightings very seriously and is working to investigate them. Nick Pope is a British journalist. He once investigated UFOs for the UK Ministry of Defense. He joins us tonight to explain the significance of this. So, Nick, this does seem like a change in the way the Pentagon describes this phenomenon, is it? Yes, it is. Up until this point, the Navy has said very little. And in fact, they've left the door open sometimes and almost implied, look, we might be dealing with commercial drones or even balloons. But now what they've done is turned around and said, number one, this is real. And number two, this is unidentified aerial phenomena. That's the phrase that they've used. Previously, they've said advanced unknown aircraft. Now they're saying unidentified aerial phenomena. And that is, it's a term borrowed from the British government. We used it in the Ministry of Defense and we meant UFOs. So the US government is admitting that they have no idea what these things are, that they're probably not some Russian superplane. And nobody's paying attention to this. I mean, this seems like a watershed moment. I mean, we have all this tape of objects defying the known laws of physics right next to U.S. military installations. The military admits it. Why is this not page one news everywhere? Well, it should be, absolutely. These aircraft carriers that many of these UFOs have been interacting with, obviously these are billion-dollar assets. And if the official position of the most powerful navy in the world is frankly little more than we don't know what this is. I don't think that's good enough. And I think clearly people like uh, Mark Walker don't think so either. And I would urge him to get the classified briefing that other senators have said they've received. And maybe within the bounds of not wanting to, to divulge classified information, but maybe some of these senators could then step forward and, and at least give us a clue of what we're dealing with here. So it turns out it wasn't a weather balloon. I mean, they've been telling us that for 50 years. Oh, it's a weather balloon. It's not a weather balloon, is it? No, absolutely not. Somebody in the Pentagon must have. They, they say we don't want to hypothesize about this. That's fine. But there must be in the Pentagon a best assessment. And there must yes. be a view of what they're ruling out. We should be told. There's obviously some reason they're not telling us in 15 seconds hypothesize as to what that reason might be. Well, some secret too terrible to be told, but yeah. I think we should be told, or at least we, we should be hinted at. Yeah, or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> They've been lying about it for 50 years. Maybe there's a reason they have been. I don't know, Nick. This is starting to worry me. I'm grateful, though, that you have come on so frequently to put it in context for us. Good okay, so the reason I started it 
with something I, what I like to call lighthearted is because it's always good to break the bad news first, right? And you're going to sit there and say, Tori, come on, UFOs. Well, like Tucker said, there's a reason that things are kept quiet. Who knows? Maybe they're not different species and maybe they're TARDISes, for those of you that are Doctor Who fans and know what that means. Um, but an article was actually published today on military.com discussing that the videos from former Blink-182 singer Tom DeLonge um, that were published are indeed classified as unidentified objects and that they don't know what's going on. And, um, you know, uh, people, well, they, 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 they have this guy named Reed who is retired now, right? And Reed, you know, pretty much says... Gosh, I hate having to be careful with my words. Um, that the people of the United States would be able to accept uh, the truth if um, needed it. People from uh, individual specific states they come from would accept it. And the thing is, accept what? Like, what are they telling us that we would accept? Accept the fact that we're not alone? I mean, again, here we go with the grandiose idea that our hairspray is creating holes in the ozone. Now we'd like to think that the whole universe was created for us just to be a decoration at night. Like all those lights in the sky were created just to uh, be a decoration or that we were uh, just a miraculous accident uh, that just happened uh, to spur out with no innate defenses, uh, you know, like other organisms on this planet. I I'm just saying, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to something that, I was tweeting about in 2015, uh, at the end of 2015, and I said, you know, the only thing that would stop any progress in regards to um, uh, patriotic movements from nations across the globe, meaning, you know, French being proud to be French, uh, Americans being proud of Americans, uh, you know, Indians being proud Indians, etc., and trying to find uh, the beauty in individuality in a diverse planet rather than become a mudded planet, meaning that there are no distinctions, that culture is something of the days of yore and not now, would be an alien invasion, right? And not saying that aliens would come because if I was an alien and I'd be looking, I'm just saying, if I was someone from another planet and uh, I had more advanced technology and I was watching human beings, I would not want to be their friends. I mean, I would not, I believe that humans themselves are not um, mature enough to understand their relevance and standing in a bigger picture. Uh, because right now we have this grandiose idea, some people do, and those that are in leadership do, let's put it that way, have a grandiose idea that um, they are more important than the rest of the people in on this planet. Imagine if you put them into context with that God complex they have, with that we will be the richest, we will be the most powerful, everyone will serve us, everyone else is a peasant. Imagine putting them on a more universe-wide platform 
um, that won't be too, that won't be pretty. You know, imagine a Hillary Clinton trying to dominate the moon or Io or some other planetary system or trying to negotiate. The negotiation would be uh, from a source of uh, intimidation, not intimidation, a source of insecurity that will come off as intimidation. So it's a really big deal that they're talking about it now. Not so much in the sense of, are they real? Are they TARDISes? Could they be this? But the fact that it can also be a hoax. It can also be a way to shut down our systems, turn off our electricity and power claiming EMPs or whatever you want to call it, or for security and annihilate whatever progress is being done. That is where I stand in fear because uh, any other... um, uh, I would say life form that may be more uh, advanced than us would never come and intervene in the situation and the tensions that we have now uh, between foreign nations and the power struggles that we are having because the power is um, aggregated to the 1% and we don't appreciate just how important that is and how there are leaps and bounds being you know accomplished every day in removing that power from the 1% and the war on humanity is real and it's not coming from outside of our stratosphere it's within and it's from selfish self-indulgent insecure persons that um prey on those that have given value to things that they shouldn't be giving value, hence providing them power. On that note, um, I just thought for tomorrow we could talk about it. I I love symbols. You know, uh, I'm a big math buff. And I want all of you to just think of one thing. Uh, Think of the symbol used for physicians. Uh, Think of the symbol. Now, it's something that I want to discuss tomorrow And I think it'll be interesting. I know all of us will see that, uh, you know, it represents the double helix DNA, but how? And so I thought I would just put that there so people understand because our president has made it clear that he doesn't like snakes and um, he wants to get rid of snakes. And he was also the one that, you know, has said that we have technology beyond what you can believe. You know, uh, I'm going to take a step back so we can understand my snake euphemism and what we're going to talk about tomorrow. But uh, when I was in grad school, there was this um, PhD candidate who had come in from, uh, I think it was Ecuador. I want to say Ecuador. And he was um, a statistician and he was completing his work in epidemiology. And his study was to find a correlation between um, people that had malaria and AIDS. And one thing that was noticed is that the people that were infected with malaria had higher probability of, you know, being infected with AIDS 
if they were exposed to it. And I found it really disheartening to know that in Africa, in nations where there is a high instance uh, instance of uh, AIDS, that they literally pay men and women who are not infected to have sex with people that are infected to see if there are any immunities. Now, I want to explain to you in a nutshell, completely, you know, explaining it to you the way it was explained to me. Because when I don't understand something, I, I, I tell everyone, can you explain it to me like I was a four-year-old? And, you know, one thing that Einstein had said himself is, if you can't teach it, you don't know it well enough. So I feel I know this really well. And in a nutshell, AIDS is a uh, virus that creates a cell that is an immune cell, kind of like your B cells, T cells, B cells are your um, innate immune cells, your white cells that are, you know, your frontliners, right? Your little soldiers that come out no matter what. And your T cells are your trained soldiers against viruses and diseases, etc. Well, this one I want you to imagine if a B cell or a T cell soldier is like, you know, all of you have seen these pictures of cancer with a little ball is a little ball with like little feet. I want you to picture the same picture, this ball that has bumps and extensions on it, but that has antennas. So your B cell, B cell would have two antennas that would say the letter B on top, right? I want you to envision that. And then I want you to picture your T cells that are trained immune cells, right? They learn. This is why when we ha- when we get sick with the flu, it takes a few days to get over because your B cells can't fight it with spears. You need machine guns and it takes a couple days for machine guns to get trained, right? So think of the cell now in your mind, again, same looking cell, make it white if you if it's easier for you and picture antennas on top. Remember, antennas are how they bind so a b-cell antenna will bind to the um you know infected cell causing you issues um you know let's pretend it's like an ammonia it'll bind to that bad bacterial cell infecting that bad lung cell that's infected and eat it okay engulf it and eat it same thing with t-cells so imagine t-cell antenna just with the letter t on top okay i'm going to keep it easy there's tons of different variations but we're going to keep it simple now Here's what AIDS is. Picture the same cell. Only that cell has antennas for almost everything in your body. Okay? Picture it that it has an antenna to eat your stomach cells, your heart cells, your intestinal cells, your other immune cells so it can eat B cells, T cells, everything. Okay? Specifically B cells, T cells, you know. So now... When they find, so if an AIDS virus, which has all these antennas around it, so it'll be spiky, right, with all these antennas. When it finds an immune cell, it will eat it, so it depletes you. When it finds a heart cell, it will eat it, so then you have a hole in your heart. It's not doing that. I'm just trying to make you understand how this evolves. And the thing that people don't know is the majority of your immune training system is done in your gut. It is done in your gut. We don't know how that works specifically, but we do know that all of your immune cells, so your B cells, T cells, etc., are trained in your gut. Now, AIDS, 
HIV, you would say, is also trained in your gut. And it gets trained to attack those that are supposed to protect you. This is why you're immune deficient. Okay? It attacks the cells that are created to protect you. So here you have a cell that is attacking your ability to attack. It's eating your soldiers. Okay? So it is also created in the gut. So when people were like, oh, it's a gay man's virus, you know, you would have to think, why would they say that? Does it have to do with the gut? That was my first thought when I was talking with this, um, uh, at the time he was a candidate epidemiologist. I thought, well, they're having men and women have sex, but the probability even on his statistics show that gay men were more prone to getting it. And guess this, women and men that copulated via, you know, alternative methods, not, you know, regular sex, but what you would call an orthodox or Ottoman type or anal, right? They would have more probabilities of getting AIDS. So now we have a virus that, a virus, a cell that is an immune cell that evolves to attack other immune cells. I mean, that's basically kind of like how allergies work. You know, when you like um, break out, it's because your body is attacking your cells because it recognizes, I don't know, shellfish or whatever else you had as an enemy of your body. So then all these immune cells attack it and, and you know, you'd get red, puffy, or you can't breathe, okay? The, just so you know, allergies are your body attacking itself. AIDS, when you look at it under a microscope, when you examine it, you realize that this is not something normal. This is not something that was born out of mutations. This is not something that was spontaneous. This was manufactured because it has flaws. See, every single virus, right? Because you're HIV positive, right? For how long? Every single virus has an incubation period, meaning like if I get the flu today, I may not exhibit any symptoms of being sick until five days from now. From now until those five days, I've given it away to people because I'm highly contagious. By the time I exhibit systems, my body is fighting it, okay? That's basically why we have symptoms, just so we know, okay? So AIDS... To, to have the manifestation of AIDS means that HIV has been activated. There is no time limit. So someone may be HIV positive for like two days and then get AIDS, which means it's an active attack on your body. And someone may be HIV positive for 20 years and then there's an active attack on your body. I mean, look at how many of these stars are not getting sick. I'm just saying, yeah, okay, all these medications and retrovirals, blah, 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 blah. What I'm telling you is, looking at it, this was man-made. Man-made because your body, your body obviously is a miracle and it can create almost anything. But to create something that would kill it, it's, it's almost as if it is an auto-destruct and one thing that I noticed where a lot of papers are being published and hidden, but published and refuse to be published on mainstream, but published and a lot of research and a lot of money is going into this to derive on how 
the majority of human beings from an unknown vector may indeed have HIV within them. And I'm thinking vectors, vectors. What is something that most people on the planet get? All of them. And that's vaccinations. And that is just a question, open-end question because the one thing we know about HIV is that it needs to be triggered to be activated and the one thing we do know is that a lot of money has been dumped into it and also what we do know is that those areas that are densely populated which I saw from you know that that person's research where it's uh, densely uh, when, when we have a lot of people that have HIV or active AIDS they have the most programs to offer vaccinations and and, oh and here's the thing when he was doing his research to show that people that have malaria are more prone to getting aids okay that was his theory it was proven wrong apparently when you have um malaria uh you your body actually uh is so busy fighting that that it will not allow hiv to actually be um, housed or replicated because it's busy. So if you keep your body busy, I guess, it will be too busy to allow something, uh, you know, uh, new to it, something novel to even populate. It literally ostracizes it. So he found that uh, the concentration of HIV... um, interactions, AIDS interactions, if they were active with AIDS uh, people, if the patient interacted with someone that had active AIDS, there was uh, less probability of them getting HIV, yet with those with HIV, they needed increased exposures as long as they had malaria. So I just thought I'd put that out there. It's curious information that people should know and how AIDS work. And just to understand, again, the body is amazing. But this was definitely manufactured. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 
800-961-9194. Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in the first half hour, we talked about a little bit of, um, you know, stuff nobody really wants to talk about because they think they have to wear a tinfoil hat because that is what they tell us to think. Um, And we just should think we're the only people, uh, you know, in the universe. And also how um, malicious and nefarious the idea is that we have maybe some way of bio warfare against people. Um, and that could have been an attempt back in the eighties, uh, to put it out. This is why you saw a certain, um, Casty, you would say, right, of people being infected with it, um, with an accidental high profile, their guy, their gal. Um, I want to move along to what the president has decided. Um, it the the EPA uh, issues waivers on federal emissions. Uh, in California, imposes its own restrictions on vehicle emissions. The same thing as Oregon, actually. You guys, like every four years, you have to check your car and do things. The president literally um, uh, revoked uh, California's federal waiver on emissions, and he did this because instead of uh, forcing um, you know people to buy electric cars or anything like that, uh, he wants the focus to be put on making cars that are safer and um, far less expensive so people can have transport and um, more production uh, because of pricing uh, will allow more safety features and advancements in that area and uh, older cars are indeed more polluting I mean I know we're owners of a 2001 car right and it would be it's super noisy because uh, my kids rednecked the car she straight piped it so um, it's a lot more noisy but it is more um, polluting it works and operates with different um, grades of gas right back in the day obviously it's built like a tank that Chevy can run through a bus right now and the bus will crush and that'll stand but regardless Uh, We do need to replace them with more environmentally friendly cars in the sense of our roads are now safer. People are now better drivers. We have better roads than we did 20 years ago. And um, pollution is a problem in belly cities. That's what I like to call it. Uh, So like in China and in Greece even. 
uh, pollution settles down, right? And that is an issue, you know, in, in smog from what comes out of cars. And we find that in other countries that don't have, um, I mean, we have a car in my family. I kid you not. It is like Russian USSR made, I think. It's, well, it was a Greek company called Pony, but it worked off of the Lada, um, you know, engines they had back then. It is a beast, you guys. It is a beast. That car, uh, it's from, it was, it was made before I was born. And it's got maybe like half a million, more than half a million miles on it. Uh, and it's still working. Okay, they're called ponies, P-O-N-Ys. Uh, that's that's the brand, pony cars. Man, I'm telling you. But the emissions, wow. The gas that we put into cars from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even early 2000s um, is light for them, so they overwork. Uh, I just want to say light. I don't know anything about cars, okay? I'm not going to pretend to. But that's what I that's how I picture it. Like it's lighter. So it's working harder and doing worse. But anyway, the president, what he wants us to do is create cheaper cars, safer cars. And that way, the cheaper and faster the production and the more people buy the cars because they're affordable, the more money is had in order to create environmental friendly cars. And, you know, they'll be. having done that, then the U.S. California strict rules of you must own a Prius only, right, um, will kind of become an equal standard in the U.S. of having more environmentally friendly cars um, because they'll be more uh, less expensive. So you don't have to, you know, give your uh, arm and leg to have a Prius and um, the rest of the nation can catch up. Why should it be just California? Regardless, though, um, I just want to say why California? I mean, it is literally a poop hole right now. Nobody wants to live in California, but okay. Um, So that's something interesting that that's being revoked. Um, And I found that um, quite on point, right? Uh, Which was, wow, that's pretty interesting. I also wanted to make note that um, Terrence um, had created some really uh, good content uh, in regards to Ilhan Omar um, that the president retweeted, and obviously it was deleted, where she was dancing on September 11th, uh, literally turning it up, as they would say. And it was pretty awesome. Um Let's start off with Corey Lewandowski. He did amazing. He did very well. He held his ground. And it looked as if this whole hearing was nothing but what Sheila Jackson did, which was a complete rant. Let's take a listen to that. Just one second. Attorney General to ask him to unrecuse himself from the special counsel's investigation. Session said no. His White House counsel said there should be no contact with Session because of his recusal. So what does the president do? He calls you in to do what everyone else wouldn't do. He called you in to do his dirty work in secret because he knew it was wrong. Well, we will expose the truth. The president can hide behind you any longer. And you should be here to be telling the truth, because the truth will set you free and the American people. I yield back. The time of the gentlelady has expired. The witness may answer the question. I don't believe there was a question, Congressman. Very well. Yes, there was. Could you repeat the question? I didn't hear it. I'd be happy to repeat the question. It's just a rant. (laughs) 
Okay, that was just a rant. All she did was call him a liar, tell him what he did, rant, 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 and there was no question. This is exactly why they had this hearing. There was nothing to be asked. There was nothing to do. This was all a pony show. And, you know, I saw a lot of these, you know, insane leftists burst out open, mocking Collins, for example. And there was this one guy, our schoolie, who even had the audacity to say, how dare Collins talk? Didn't he ask for like lots of investigations about Benghazi? Why can't we ask about investigations for this? This is more important. And it's like, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Did, did you just say that the Russia hoax, because now it's already been determined that it's a hoax. And now what they're trying to say is, even though it was a hoax, you tried to stop the hoax from being investigated. So this is why we want to impeach you. Basically, we don't care. We're going to find something. And we're going to find, and you know what? I don't care if it was a hoax. You tried to stop the hoax because we say you tried to stop the hoax. Even though you let the hoax go on until it was completely exhausted, we're going to get you impeached because you're winning. We're going to get you impeached because we don't like you. We're going to get you impeached because maybe you wanted to stop this Russia hoax from going forward because you didn't want to spend 40 million U.S. dollars when uh, we say if we spend four. four million dollars think of it this way okay that's 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 basically what's going on so here they are trying to move things forward on a russia hoax on a russia hoax and we have the left equating that to benghazi to benghazi where they already knew what was happening where four heroes one was tortured so tortured so much he was impaled alive and we have these scum of the earth sitting there Saying, well, you asked to investigate. Yeah, we need to know. Was she asleep? Was there a YouTube video? Somebody lied. Somebody did this. They definitely knew what was going on. Why was the order given to the annex in Italy not to move forward? Why did they tell them not to go in? Why, 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 why? And the, and the answers are zero. Because the investigations were blocked. And more so from scummy, scummy rhinos. Now... The fact that the left had the audacity to equate the level of the need for investigation of Benghazi and comparing that to the Russia hoax blew me up. Obviously, this Vajayjay, our schoolie with an EY, blocked me after I retweeted his tweet. And then, you know, if you see the insane comments of people saying, oh, let me guess, her emails, oh my gosh, Obama, I was thinking, are there really people that think this? Are there really people in our nation that would actually think that this Russia hoax has more merit than our, I, I just, I can't. Because that could have been me. That could have been me in Benghazi as the linguist. That could have been me there if I wasn't, it could have been me. So I'm not happy at all with that situation, with those discussions. And the fact that that clown had the audacity to retweet my tweet that I retweeted of his, and I, you know, I saw the bashing I was getting from the left, and I was thinking, first of all, some of them were calling me male, so they didn't even, like, pay attention to what I was saying. Others were telling me that I was a Russian bot, obviously not checking to see who they're referring to, because that's what real bots do. They don't pay attention. They just spew, spew. And I wasn't the only one. 
I wasn't the only one that said the same thing. So it wasn't like I misinterpreted it. There were tons of people, even verified accounts that said, what are you doing? Are you comparing the Russia investigation to Benghazi? This is where we're at. This is what they are doing. They're trying to tell people that the Russia hoax is equally, if not more important than Benghazi. And we will get to the bottom of Benghazi because there's a lot of us out there. And I've made it no secret. I have written numerous FOIA requests, one that came back saying still classified, and I asked for very specific information, which is who gave the order to the annex in Italy to tell our help that was in the area to stand down while they were tortured. Who gave that order? Because obviously someone wasn't sleeping and gave that order and let it happen. Who did it? Uh, Classified. But it'll come out. I mean, it's only a matter of time, right, guys? Only a matter of time. Now, take a listen to Nadler for a second. How this just broke out. Just take a listen to this. Mr. Chairman, the gentleman will state his point of order. Clause 2J2C of Rule 11 permits up to one hour of questioning by staff of this committee. This gentleman is a private consultant. too fast. I can't understand you. I'm sorry. This gentleman is a private consultant whose very consultant contract explicitly states that he is not an employee of this committee, not a government employee. Congressional handbook states in explicit terms, consultants contracts, consultants contracted to work for standing committees to USC 4301 are explicitly not employees of the committee. House admin committee will not even approve a contract for a consultant that will be performing regular or normal duties of committee staff. Any attempt to suggest that someone can simultaneously be an employee of the committee and not be an employee of the committee and committee staff defies even the most attenuated logic. The majority's use of private sector consultants to question witnesses constitutes an egregious violation of House rules under any circumstances. Under the circumstances of the current so-called impeachment inquiry, it would constitute an unprecedented privatization of impeachment. I have the employment contract here of the gentleman, Mr. Barry Burke, and also have the letter in which you are asking a question. Also have the staff role, which he is not listed as a staff member. He is a private consultant. Point of order is he should not be able to allow questioning of this witness. I have no problem because you have already run through and bullied through last week a staff questioning. If you have a, if you have fine staff, if your staff asks question, I will withdraw the point of order. But Mr. Burt or Mr. Norman is neither one allowed to ask questions under this rule. And Ms. Zola, Ms. Lofgren's committee is here, and we do have committee staff from House Admin who agrees with this interpretation. I am prepared to rule on the point of order. For the purposes of staff questioning under the resolution adopted by the committee on September 12, 2019, there is no distinction between staff and consultants. First, the chair has significant discretion to determine who qualifies as staff for the purposes of the resolution. Committee consultants, in effect, function as staff for all intents and purposes. They are paid out of the committee's budget, they work at the chairman's discretion, and they are subject to all the same ethical and legal responsibilities as any other House employee. Second, The committee's retention of consultants is consistent with prior committee practice. Committee consultants have been retained to question witnesses at hearings and other proceedings. And they've assisted with significant investigations, including impeachment investigations. Um, For example, David Shipper is the consultant to the uh, majority and Abby Lowell to the minority during the Clinton impeachment investigation. Committee consultants have questioned witnesses without objection from members. In fact, just last Congress, The Republican majority of this committee hired consultants to assist with their investigation into former Secretary of of State Clinton's emails 
and they regularly ask questions during transcribed interviews and other matters connected with that investigation. Our consultants were retained specifically to assist the committee perform its oversight and investigative functions. Okay, so he's saying since you've used consultants before, we have, for rape investigations, fraud, and a breach of national security, those advisors were used for breach of national security and for rape. So we're going to use it here now, even though the report from Mueller says there was no collusion. We're going to ask this advisor, who wasn't around when the supposed obstruction happened, questions anyway this is where this is how desperate they are they just wanted a pony show i mean this is so embarrassing this is suicide of the democratic party take a listen f why were they called consultants in their employment contract it's not a that's not a, uh it's not a point of order well the, 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 will, let me I, ask I, I mr chairman let me let me ask about this did the did the rule change last week, one week ago today that we voted on, that you voted for, we voted against, did it mention the word consultants in the rule changes that was adopt, that, that were adopted by the committee? I can't hear what he's saying. You're talking. Chairman, regular order. Yes, I, I cannot hear what Mr. Jordan is saying because Mr. Collins is talking too. The resolution that the majority adopted last, uh, last week, was the word consultant mentioned in there when it came... Uh, uh, relative to the ability of staff to ask questions. It was not. It was not. So let me get this straight. You changed the rules last week, and now this week you're not going to follow the rules you changed. We are. Uh, all right. I am going. Okay, so what's up with this rule changing? Pay attention, guys. So they're constantly changing the rules. He made a rule last week, and it said consultants were not explicitly put in there, and now he's not following the rules he put in there. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, I'm going to rule on the point of order. I'd like to speak towards the, uh, towards the point of order. I, it is not in order to have a debate on a point of order. The gentleman made his point of order. They're not an employee of the committee, Mr. Chairman. The, the gentleman, you've made that point. That's your point of order. Uh, I am prepared to rule on it. But may I be Number heard one. on a point of personal privilege? Gentlelady. Since my name has been invoked, I... Oh, my gosh. Point of personal privilege. Guys, where have we heard this before? Where have we heard this before? We've heard this before. Come on, guys. Where have we heard? I'm speaking for a point of privilege. I'm speaking from a point of um, personal <laughs> privilege. Where did we hear this before? Come on, guys. Think about it. Where was it hysterically heard from? And I'm pulling it up right now as we speak so I can play it. Do you guys remember the fruity, 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 fruity? Uh, DSA conference where they were like, hey, we have like quiet rooms and, you know, um, we're going to uh, start this. And they were like, I'm speaking from a point of privilege. So and so, so and so, so and so, so. My gosh, they sound like socialists, don't they? Take a listen. I have ascertained that, in fact, the staff director for the House Administration Committee has not been solicited for his information. Did not ask your staff director, ask ours. Okay. Fine. Now, because you're, you're at this point. I yield back, <laughs> Mr. Chair. Because we go back. The, the, the issue here, though, is. The, the is issue that, here was stated already by you. You don't have to repeat it. No. We're, we're, we this made, is a. Made, you've be made careful your, going down this road, made Mr. Your Chairman. point, and I'm going to rule on it. Be careful, Mr. Chairman. I'm, go, I'm going to be very careful. The steamroll. one. We are in an impeachment investigation, but that is whether or not we are is not relevant to this question. 
So we're not going to debate whether Yes, that, it is. Now. It is not relevant to that question. But now you we just can hire, from investigation we, inquiry. I mean, which is, is it? Not, that is not relevant to this question. <laughs> Wait, it's not relevant if we're in an inquiry or an investigation, but that's what the question and the statement was about? The committee's retention of consultants is consistent with prior committee practice. Consultants have been retained to question witnesses at hearings and at other proceedings, not only in impeachment hearings. This is, this is, this is consistent with past practice. I so rule, I overrule the point of order. Mr. Chairman, parliamentary. The point of order is overruled. Parliamentary. And unless someone wants to ask for, for a vote on the point of order. Now, Mr. Oh my gosh, did you hear that? I don't care what the rules say. I already ruled. This is the way it used to be done. I don't care if I changed the rules last week. It doesn't matter. It's been done like this, so what's the point? What, I don't care about your point. We changed the rules, okay, but in the past it's been done like this. So even though we changed the rules to change what was being done in the past, we're going to do what was in the past even though I changed the rules last week not allowing this to happen, and it doesn't matter if it's an inquiry or an impeachment proceeding. Do you wish to? Do you wish to ask? You wish yes. to vote? On no, I want to talk. I want to ask you a question here because no, this point no. of order. Regular order. Regular order, Mr. Chairman. The point of order. You raised the point of. You were recognized for the purpose of raising a point oh, of question. order. question. You raised it. I ruled on it. Do you wish to appeal the ruling of the chair? Yes or no? Yes. I moved the table, Mr. Chairman. Chair. What? I moved a table the appeal the, of the this is ruling a sad of the chair day. Is over, the, this is a sad day for the ruling community. of the chair is appealed. The gentlelady moves to table the appeal of the ruling of the chair. The clerk will call the roll. Gosh, they're going to vote to see if Nadler's hammer, you know, he's using his little hammer and like... I said so. I'm God. You listen to me. I don't care if I change the rules to make the rules of the past not valid anymore. I'm going with what the rules of the past were, even though my new rule says that it's not valid anymore. Now, you want to appeal it? Fine. Let's vote and watch how the majority, because they're a majority now, right, can do this. This is where you need to question which clowns that were Republicans had majority in the house that are still there that allowed all of this crap to come out. That's what you need to ask yourself. The clerk will call the roll on the question of approving the motion to table the appeal of the ruling of the chair. Can you get all that? Okay. <laughs> Mr. Nadler? Aye. Mr. Nadler votes aye. Ms. Lofgren? Yes. Ms. Lofgren votes yes. Now, between Nadler and Lofgren, there's this attorney that's been wiggling into Nadler's ear and one behind him. Man, those people suffer from severe TDS. I want to know who they are. Ms. Jackson Lee? Aye. Ms. Jackson Lee votes aye. Mr. Cohen? Mr. Johnson of Georgia? Mr. Johnson of Georgia votes aye. Mr. Deutsch? Mr. Deutsch votes aye. Ms. Bass? So now they want to table it. We're not going to rule on it. We're not going to vote on it. Um, we're going to just move forward with what I said, and that's the way it is, period. And we're just going to table that ruling and that vote right now because we're not going to vote on it because I said so. So eight people said no. 
19 people said yes. So now they're going to be moving forward. So here's where we get to the good part, Gates. Question witnesses. And so I'm, I'm just going to ask as a parliamentary inquiry, what were the parliamentary occurrences where a concern... Point of order, Mr. Of Chairman, that's not a parliamentary inquiry. The gentleman is correct. That is not a parliamentary inquiry. Very well, I have a point of order. Who, Mr. 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 who else has a parliamentary inquiry? Mr. Jordan. Mr. Mr. Chairman, was today's witness, Mr. Lewandowski, when he was subpoenaed, was he notified that, that is consultants not a would be inquiry. questioning him? That is not a parliamentary inquiry either. That's Mr. a procedural, important procedural question. Mr. Burke Mr. Is, Chairman, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Burke is recognized for 30 minutes. Mr. Inquiry. Chairman, I move to adjourn. Okay. Motion to adjourn is in order and is not debatable. The clerk will call the, uh, will call the roll. What? Wait a minute. They don't tell him you're going to be questioned by consultants, which is procedure, because you should know who's going to be questioning you, right? So he doesn't care. So he's like, yep, let's adjourn this. Yeah, we're done. And that is the lawyer that is flanking him to his right with glasses, following every single move like his eyes will not leave Nadler. And they are just vicious. Guys, we are we are observing the most biggest assault in our nation. This is how the Democratic Party pulls their own pants down with these actions. If only more people did their job to analyze and show just how we have the power, you need to shut up. Yep, totally made the rule. Don't care if I made the rule to cancel the rules of the past. We're going with the rules of the past. Okay, well, procedure says that you tell the person so-and-so is going to question you. I mean, even if you go to court, you know who's going to be asking you questions. Yet here we are in Congress, and he doesn't know that consultants are going to be asking, why are they making lawyers ask the questions and not them? Because then they don't have the liability of having put forward such questions in the House, and it falls on the consultant. That is why they'll take minimal percentage responsibility for anything stated that shouldn't have been stated or asked. We'll revisit this. Talk about Saudi Arabia and O'Brien right after this short break. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Um, before I start this last hour of my show, I just wanted to say thank you. 
I wanted to say thank you to every single listener out there. I mean, you guys have made my show top five in the nation during this time slot. Like, I'm literally inches behind Alex Jones, Infowars, and Rush. Like, Mark Levin, mm, opportunists, all not being listened to. Why? Because people realize who stays consistent with what they are saying and is true to themselves. And I would, I I can't even explain to you how uh, much I appreciate all of you, how much you have helped me grow as a person. I kind of come out of my shell because, you know, I've been doing investigating journalism for years I mean, I started with Andy Breitbart and no one ever heard of me because I, I don't like the limelight. You know, I don't like people. Oh, gosh. Did I? Yeah, I, I really don't <laughs> I'm like not that I'm not I'm not I'm not really a really big people person because uh, I, I guess I have um very low tolerance for BS. I don't like being around people that dilly dally and play ring around the rosy when they talk. And um Obviously, through the airwaves um, throughout the United States and in England, apparently our radio, my show is being streamed in Northampton and somewhere in Canada. I don't know, um, you know, everyone that writes to me from Canada never tells me where they're from in Canada. Just, hey, I listen to you in Canada. I just want to tell you guys, it's a breath of fresh air to know that there's a lot of people like me that are people persons, but only people persons that, you know, don't talk smack or rubbish or just junk for the brain. So I wanted to say thank you. It's important that I say thank you. Um, And I also wanted to tell you guys something um, funny, too. I'm going to see to get more information, but um, there is this, uh, you know how people buy calendars for causes? Okay, so there is this calendar that is called uh, uh, the Not So Heavenly Bodies 2020 Calendar Fundraiser. Guys, if you haven't seen it, you know, this is the must buy present. This is where you'll see. I mean, I love it. Men that you would think are not hot, total dad bods, biker bods posing as if they're like super hot gods which makes them super hot gods right you know what i'm saying um which makes them so it's incredible Uh, i love it i'm gonna get more information i want to talk to them to see how they came up with this idea i'll tweet uh on twitter and on and on facebook i'll put the link where you can get one um i'm purchasing a few i think they'd be awesome and i'm gonna send them off overseas uh you know many people will see it as a gag joke but on the other hand it's all about embracing um embracing yourself and it sounds really fruity and snowflakey right but you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And even though these guys with their nice little bellies and their tats and their Confederate flag shoulder tat and everything would be considered, you know, posing with a rose in your mouth and kicking up your knee, looking, you know, trying to be like, oh, look at me. You're sexier than if it was Clooney doing it. I just wanted to say that. So it's called the not so, hold on, there's like specific verbiage, Um, not so heavenly bodies 2020 calendar. And um, it's pretty awesome. I will be um, putting details of that together. and 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 I want to do like a little fun article about it and how it came up. I think we need a little bit of that in 
this insanity that we're living through, the insanity of what's going on in the Middle East, the insanity of what's going on within our nation. I mean, guys, you just heard in the past in the past hour how they don't care. They change the rules to suit them and they still won't even honor those rules because it doesn't suit them at that moment. So this is a time where it's actually really scary to, to be alive. Scary because it's like nobody really is honest anymore. You're going to be like, oh, come on, Tori. You think they were honest at some point? Uh, I don't know. Now, let's talk about O'Brien first, guys. Before we delve back into the swamp, I want to talk about O'Brien. I told you O'Brien is a good-looking guy. He actually wrote a book, um, and I read it back in uh, 2016. It's called While America Slept, which was a really good book put together. I mean, if you haven't read it, read it. It's a good read. Uh, there are a lot of things in there that he says that, you know, scream, Bush, Bush, Bush. But I think it's more of a compromise for him. Uh, he is, um, just take a listen to him. This is an interview with him and Larry King. Planet in Crisis also says America's leadership role needs to be restored to fix it. His new book addresses this. It's entitled While America Slept, Restoring American Leadership to a World in Crisis. He's Robert C. O'Brien, served as U.S. Representative to the U.N. General Assembly during the Bush administration, has advised Governors Romney and Walker on foreign policy during their presidential campaigns. Great to welcome you. Hey, it's an honor to be here, Larry. All right. Your book is very, very critical of the President Obama. So let me just start with a question based on he got Osama bin Laden, he confronts Russia, he supports the rebels in Syria, he drones more than any other president, he's more hawkish than President Bush, he, um, he deports more people than any, all presidents combined. What's the rub? Hey, look, to start with, I, I've never been critical of the president personally. I've never made an ad hominem attack on him because I think he's been a dignified representative and, and historic president of the United States. His and popularity is almost 60 percent. You know, it's a strong popularity. And, and I think he's, you know, a good father, good man. Uh, and, and I think he's done his best. The problem are his policies. And his policies have made the world a more dangerous place over the last eight years, uh, Larry. So uh, by prematurely withdrawing from Iraq, we had the rise of ISIS, which he downplayed as the JV team. By setting an artificial red line in Syria that was crossed, uh, we ended up with the worst human rights and, and possibly a genocide in Syria that we haven't seen since Rwanda. In the South China Sea, we've seen the, the Chinese build a great wall of sand. And in Ukraine, for the first time since 1938, we've seen a European power, Russia, invade a neighbor, annex Crimea, and change borders by force. So, so notwithstanding the fact that he's popular and a good man, the president's policies have really been a disaster for the world. Are you concerned that he's being replaced by someone who may go over the top the other way and in turn also be friendly to Russia? You know, I, I think that uh, President-elect Trump has put together an impressive uh, group of people for his, his new cabinet. Uh, I, I didn't support Donald Trump in the primaries. I did support him as the nominee, but I was with, with Scott Walker and then late in the primaries with, with Ted Cruz. But I have to say, the transition to me has been very impressive. Uh, to have General Mattis coming in as Secretary of Defense, General Kelly 
over at Homeland. He's interviewing some very impressive people, including Governor Romney, uh, Tillis, and others for Secretary of State. He's putting together a very solid team, and he's putting together a team of people that no one would, would claim would be panda huggers with China or that would be soft on Russia. So I, I think he's going to have a good team in place, and, and I don't see him... Uh, capitulate in any way to Vladimir Putin or, or Xi Jinping uh, or, or the Iranian mullahs for that matter. Are we All right. So here's the thing. This guy worked for Romney. He's a rhino supporter and he supported all the people that were trying to continue um, the legacy, one would say of playing the other side, pretending to be the other side. Because let's be honest, the Republicans and the Democrats, no distinction except for the colors. They're, you know, one's an elephant, the other one's an ass, right? And that is basically it. Other than that, they were the same thing, okay? It is for the first time that we're seeing conservatives be voiced in the Republican Party. And one thing I can tell you is that O'Brien is a stellar negotiator because he is very good at managing his micro expressions. If anyone who's a body language expert would analyze him speaking with Larry King, they would realize that he is a master at concealing micro expressions. These are expressions on our face that we cannot control without good training. You can't read him. He shows you the emotion that he wants you to see. And so he was on board with everyone that was moving along and surrounding President Trump to continue the story. Now, the fact that he has replaced Bolton because he's always uh, voiced his opinions against Bolton because Bolton is a very scary person and a cleaver, a meat cleaver. Okay, it's one or the other. There's no gray area. There's no negotiation. Robert O'Brien is a negotiator. He walks those murky waters. He likes gray rather than black and white. And with that preference comes a lot of shade, a lot of shadiness, a lot of uh, cloak and dagger maneuvers and thoughts and actions, which we should take very seriously. As a replacement for now, he's the best we've got to understanding what is going on in the Middle East. Remember, he went to Sweden. He was part of the whole Turkey negotiation. He knows these people. He knows their weaknesses. He knows how to parlay. But he is not good at advising because he knows to parlay because he treads in gray. See, I love gray areas. Totally love it because he gives you a freedom of movement, kind of a 007 pass, right? But I also have black and white areas. So there are boundaries to my grayness. O'Brien has no boundaries to his grayness. It is I'm going to accomplish the mission. So there is no hard yes and no hard no. There's always a maybe. There's always room for negotiation. Those types of people are the most difficult people to sit down and have a conversation with and negotiate with and find something, um, you know, to conclude on. Uh, so uh, I think we should go into Iran and annihilate them. Well, we could do that. But if we annihilate them like this, it can go like this. If we annihilate them like this, it can go like this. Or maybe we don't do that and we just 
talk or press sanctions. Then we have this and this. So there's never a definitive response. It's always options. That uh, concerns me because the president, what he needs right now is someone that can maneuver the gray area very well, but also has hard boundaries. O'Brien does not have boundaries unless they're set by someone else. And when you have a national security advisor, you don't set boundaries or else you can't do his jobs. You don't micromanage. So this is where I'm like, he's a great negotiator. Uh, He'll find solutions for things that normally we wouldn't be able to find. But uh, do we really want him advising the president is the question. Take a listen to what he says here. Flashpoint that I think is under the radar, but is, is something we need to keep an eye on. Would you say the sleeping part started with, as George Will called us, the greatest mistake in American history, the invasion of Iraq? Look, in hindsight, the, the invasion of Iraq, the way that it played out was, you know, I, I think there are very few people that would defend it. Now, I, I do believe that the president at the time, and I was not in the administration at the time, uh, believed that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And Saddam was systematically violating U.N. resolutions. He was firing at our uh, planes that were infi- enforcing no-fly zones. He was a very bad guy. He was getting- Wait, let's just remember something. So Saddam invaded Kuwait, remember? And why did he invade? What happened when he invaded Kuwait? Oh, all the investments the Bush administration and the Clintons had in oil exploitation in Kuwait, those collapsed. And right before he invaded them and they collapsed, they sold their stock and made millions. I I just thought I'd throw that tidbit in. Giving money to suicide bombers that were involved in the Intifada in Israel. (coughs) Excuse me. So he's a bad guy. But he was anti-Iran. He didn't bomb. He wasn't responsible for 9-11. The the, the way that things worked out and the fact that there weren't WMD in Iraq, you know, in hindsight, I don't you know, I don't think most policymakers would have said that was a good idea. And but but I will tell you, when I was at the U.N. in 96 to 98 working on the Iraq issue, we were trying to determine, you know, if they had at the time at the time of the first Gulf War weapons of mass destruction, certainly chemical and biological weapons. and no one really believed they had nuclear, but they had a nuclear program. And all of the agencies that came to us, the Chinese, the Russians, the French, the Israelis, of course, the Americans who came and reported to us, the UN, everybody believed that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. So I don't think there was, I don't think Bush was lying. I don't think that, that the CIA was, I, they got it wrong, but I don't think people intentionally misled uh, the American oh, no, people. No one's saying intentional, but it was right. a mistake. It was, it, like, in hindsight, it was a mistake. You- Okay, so uh, he let his guard down for a second during this interview, and you can see that he knew that there was misleading, and it was purposely done. This WMD discussion that happened, we need to take a little history visit. They were investigating, remember Scooter Libby, it all has to do with that. It was the strong arming after 9-11. It was the strong arming of spying on citizens. It was that strong arming period where we needed more spying capabilities that suddenly people were saying, yep, we found yellow cake uranium by the Niger River and Iraq is exploiting it and they've got weapons of mass destruction. And so all these, uh, keep in mind, reporters, right? Keep in mind, 
CIA assets, one that was unmasked, that said she heard Scooter Libby say, or and then she forgot, but at the grand jury she said so, and then she was like, I never said it, which she lied, basically, right? That, that case was run by special counsel Patrick Fitzgerald, who used to be U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York with Comey, who was Comey's attorney when Comey was fired, right? And just so happened to be appointed special counsel when Comey became acting attorney general of the United States, right? They all concocted the idea of weapons of mass destruction. So for him to sit there and be knowledgeable and lie and say that this wasn't intentional pisses me off because at least own it at least point the finger because now in 2019 we know the comey crew we know the Mueller crew we already know they've been rolling together for two decades so now this this discussion tells you exactly what you need to know about o'brien either he's really dumb or he's really what not truthful and that truth could be, you don't want to say it because Comey was at that time when he was doing this interview, what? FBI director. Again, weapons of mass destruction, New York Times correspondents, all these people attacking Scooter Libby, who was running the special counsel, Patrick Fitzgerald, who worked at the U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office, Southern District of New York, with Comey before Comey was appointed acting attorney general. And as acting attorney general, he appointed Patrick Fitzgerald, his buddy, who then became his lawyer in 2017, right? To go after Scooter Libby, who said they knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. Yet everyone was telling Bush, yeah, 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 yellow kick uranium, super, super, super. Okay, so this is what you need to understand. He plays the, is he playing the field? Is he being careful in 2016 when he's giving this interview and what he says in his book to not um, aggravate them and not make himself a target and kind of just exist without being bothered because he's neutral? What is it exactly that, what exact role is this guy playing? And I'm telling you, when people walk thin, fine lines like this, that do not have hard lines, it is very murky. Not to say he's not going to do a good job for now, but think about it. Because the minute we see General Flynn, charges dropped. Not exonerated, not, you know, just dropped completely. That it was all a charade because Flynn is going to bring the house down. Said this. They're going to be dropped. There's not going to be clear him or exonerate him. It's going to be like they shouldn't have been there in the first place. You're all done. When he comes, that is who we need to see in positions of directions, in positions to help the president. That is who we need to see. Not murky, because at least with General Flynn, we do know that his hard lines are guided by his heart, and he has no problem showing that to the world. General Flynn has no problem telling you, I do what's morally correct. People that can maneuver gray areas, and I love gray areas, guys, love it. But if you don't have the moral floor to set your own boundaries, then you respond to questions just like O'Brien, and I urge you guys to find this interview. Take a listen to what else he says here. You write a lot about China. You talk a lot about China. Are you concerned if, if Trump has it, does away with the one China policy? 
Look, that's a, to, to the Chinese, that's a red line. Uh, I do think what Donald Trump has done with the recent telephone conversation with, with President Xi in, in uh, uh, Xi, I'm, my Mandarin's terrible, uh, <laughs> the, the, the new president of Taiwan, of the Republic of China, uh, was good in that it shook things up with the Chinese. The Chinese have been getting their way with us, uh, not just for the past eight years, but even in the Bush administration. Uh, you know, folks were very deferential of the Chinese. They took that as a green light for human rights abuses, for, for their adventures in the South China Sea, for threats against Japan and Taiwan. And I think that relationship does need to be reset and that the Chinese need to understand uh, that America has a role in the Pacific and that we're not going to be pushed out of the Pacific. I mean, fi you know, 50 percent, of the, almost 50 percent of the world's trade, uh, maritime trade, goes through the South China Sea. The United States can't cede big swaths of the Western Pacific to China just like we wouldn't do it to Japan in the 30s and, and 40s, which ultimately led to the, the, the Pacific War in World War II. We have to be engaged in Asia. Asia. We can't be pushed out. And the Chinese need to understand that if they continue to try and push us out of Asia, that, that you know, the United States isn't going to stand for it. My guess is that the one China policy, and I, I don't know this, I haven't talked to President-elect Trump about it, but I don't think that will be a major change. Uh, but I think he's putting the cards on the table. He's a tough negotiator, and I think he's letting the Chinese know that, you know, it's it's going to be a new government. Yeah. See, here is where he spoke uh, some truth. He knew that what he was doing in um, uh, North uh, Korea is important. And um, that is what he was doing. The way President Trump set the tone was to let China know that you're not going to be bullying people and putting them in boxes we are going to um, set the tone and we are going to be moving forward uh, with, um, you know, uh, instilling our presence in in the APAC region. And we have been doing it because for the past two and a half years, we've had more congressional and Senate delegations go to Asia Pacific and have discussions with people in Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, China, Korea, North Korea, South Korea, right? And uh, the Philippines, Vietnam. Uh, more and more because we realize the potential. Remember, 20% of the world's population is literally within Chinese borders. This is an important uh, source of income for our nation. Now, take a listen to how he closed it off, talking about JFK. John Kennedy wrote a book and won a Pulitzer Prize, Why England Slept. Now we have While America Slept. Can you compare us to uh, England before Churchill? And it was a little presumptuous of me to use that title because, as you know, Winston Churchill wrote uh, the, the, the title of his, his book, that in the U.S. at least, was While, While England Slept. And, and I was that certainly... That was Kennedy's thesis in college and he won a Pulitzer. And, and this isn't going to get a Pulitzer. I think it's a good book and a, a good read, but uh, I'm, I'm not uh, JFK. But uh, uh, up until the Second World War... Uh, there, there was a real reticence on the part of the British people and a part of, on the part of the people in the West to watch what was happening in Germany. And, but the Nazis, when you look back on it, were very specific about what they were going to do. Uh, no one believed them because it was so outlandish and so preposterous. They didn't read the book. And they didn't, they didn't read the book. And they didn't pay attention to Hitler. And there was one guy who was, and that was Winston Churchill. Uh, keep in mind when the Munich Accord was signed by Chamberlain, he came back to a hero's welcome in the yeah. UK. I mean, these are folks that fought the First World War. They'd lost a generation of young men in the trenches uh, just, you know, 20 years earlier. Nobody wanted a war. And we don't want, look, we don't want a war today. But Churchill said, 
you know, if you do this, not only are you going to, you're not going to avoid a war, but the war is going to be worse than if you stood up to this bully. I look at what's happening in Iran as, as very similar. The, the, the mullahs are telling us, and I was in the UN General Assembly as a U.S. rep when Ahmadinejad came. We walked out, so we weren't sitting on the floor. But when he came and said, hey, we're going to destroy Israel. It's a one-bomb country. We're going to wipe it off the, the face of the earth. Uh, look, you have to take what these people are saying seriously. When I Now, um, what he's saying, just to close off this half hour, is that Winston Churchill did one thing. He paid attention to the ones that people were like, yeah, whatever. That is China. Now, Iran, not so much. Iran believes that their card in their deck, their ace, is to drop bombs on Israel. Okay, that is their ace. And we're seeing a lot happening in Israel after the break. We're going to talk about the elections there and what's going on just a little bit, just a couple minutes on that. But you have to understand when I tell you that the rest of the world thought that they could be feeding China because China is never going to get world domination ever. They're patient. They will sit out and wait for you to cannibalize yourself. And if you've fed them enough and you've isolated them enough, the war, just like Churchill said, will be bigger than what you ever predicted, especially when they hold a majority of the planet's population. So this is why the president is focusing on China. I urge you to listen back to my shows on the podcast from December 31st and January 1st to know just how how they are learning to create the ultimate next century war. I'll see you all in just a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam sounds great right even better your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease if you're a u.s citizen between 50 and 80 you can get life insurance guaranteed 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Uh, we are going to just quickly talk about uh, the Israeli elections, they are neck to neck. The way they work there is re- it, d- it depends on the seats that you have. And right now, uh, it seems like Netanyahu only has um, 56 seats and he needs 61. Uh, we don't know the outcome yet. But what we do know is that um, it is heated. Uh, we have people coming forward. Um, Modi from India is hoping that Netanyahu wins. And, you know, it's really touchy because presidents of nations can't really say anything. So their base is saying it for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Uh, Take a listen to Trey Yankst, who's the Fox correspondent over in Israel, um, who's um, uh, stayed, uh, he's reporting, he's been reporting in Tel Aviv overnight through this election. Take a listen to what he says. Trey Yankst is in Tel Aviv tonight. Tell us where things stand at this hour. Good evening, Trey. Good evening, Brett. Preliminary exit polls do not look good for Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. While he still could pull off a surprise victory here tonight, it's unlikely that he will reach the 61-seat threshold in the Israeli Knesset in order to govern in Israel. Israelis headed to the polls today for the second time this year to decide their next prime minister. The two leading candidates, Benjamin Netanyahu of the Likud party and Benny Gantz of the Blue and White party, campaigned in person and on social media until the minute polls closed. As Netanyahu walked the streets of Jerusalem, urging people to get to the ballot boxes, his opponent, a former army general, traveled the coast of Israel from Tel Aviv to Haifa with a megaphone in hand. This is a very important day. This is what the democratic country is all about. Everybody go put his vote. Uh, let's hope for change. Gantz is calling for change in Israel, as Netanyahu hopes for the status quo to continue the leader's 13-year rule. Netanyahu blasted out more than 50 tweets and retweets Tuesday, many of them including factually incorrect information about Arab voters and left-wing politicians. This follows reports earlier in the week that Netanyahu considered starting a war with Gaza to push back the elections. You want to prevent a left-wing government and a coalition with the Arab parties? You do not want it. So go vote. Go vote Likud. Netanyahu's long-term rival and Wait, former listen defense to that again. Hold on. We need to listen to that portion again. Avigdor Lieberman is largely... Government and a co- there we go. Let's play that again because you need to listen to that. And it's pretty interesting how they um, stated how he put non-factual information. Sounds like Fox has an opinion of how it should be done. Do you want to prevent a left-wing government and a coalition with the Arab parties? You do not want it. So go vote. Go vote Likud. 
That tells you where Fox Netanyahu's stands. Netanyahu's long-term rival and former defense minister, Avigdor Lieberman, is largely considered the kingmaker in tonight's race. With an expected 8 to 10 seats, he will have the power to decide who will be the next prime minister of Israel. Brett? Trey Yanks live in Tel Aviv. Trey, thank you. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about these candidates, what I do know. I do know that Netanyahu is a great negotiator. He likes gray areas, but he does have hard lines. One statement that he had made that I appreciated uh, more so of an America first, but not really, but it was kind of, was his um, statement that Israel is not for all of its citizens. And I don't know if that was translated wrong because I don't speak you know, is, you know, I don't speak or read Hebrew. Uh, this was on translation from reading an article, but he said, Israel is the nation state of the Jewish people and it alone. Does that mean he excludes non-Jewish citizens? Who knows? Um, so that was one of my favorite statements and I'm going to take it with a grain of salt because it could be translation, but Gantz had said something that, you know, struck me really odd. He was happy that he annihilated parts of Gaza where people died. And he said, you know, over that, that they destroyed, that he destroyed where they destroyed over 6,000 targets, sending them back to the stone age. That's not something it's kind of like we came, we saw he died. I didn't like that. So that for me was a problem. Now the Kingmaker, the one that's going to decide with um, who is going to take the prime minister seat if there is no 61 seat win is Lieberman. And he had said something that reminds me of what Osama bin Laden said, which is he said, those that go against us deserve to get their heads chopped off. That is extremist to me. Um, No matter where you sit, uh, that is something you never want to hear from any leader ever. And I found that scary. And the fact that he gets to choose who um, gets to take the seat uh, is alarming for me. For me, it's extremely alarming. Now, moving on to um, Saudi Arabia. So the U.S. has said, listen to what ABC said. Take a listen. The attack of the deadly drones was used to devastating effect. Half of Saudi Arabia's refining capacity gone. The Americans are convinced it wasn't the Houthis in Yemen, but their alleged sponsors. Secretary Pompeo has made clear that the Iranian regime is responsible for this attack on civilian areas and infrastructure vital vital to our global energy supply. But the Houthi commanders claim it was all their own work and nothing to do with Iran. We exploited vulnerabilities in the Saudi defence system. We built our drones to avoid their defences. So their airspace became open to us after the systems failed to even spot our drones. Houthi commanders challenged the Americans to prove the Iranians were responsible and warned the Saudis to expect more of the same if they don't stop bombing Yemen. Yemen's Houthi rebels began their rebellion against the country's President Mansour Hadi back in 2015. After four years of bloody conflict, the Shia rebels control much of the country's west. They are backed by Iran. The Hadi government side is backed by a coalition of eight mostly Sunni Arab states led by Saudi Arabia. The Saudis receive military and intelligence support from the United States.
The conflict has created one of the world's worst man-made humanitarian disasters, with thousands of civilians killed and millions on the brink of starvation. An already complex situation was made even more unstable when aircraft from the coalition ally United Arab Emirates supported separatists in the south of the country and attacked forces loyal to President Hadi. The very man the Saudis and the UAE say they were committed to defending. The Swedes are leading peace talks, but so far on the ground there's only more suffering for millions in this nation blighted by proxy politics. So they're showing babies that are starving and what's going on. And um, now you're going to listen to uh, what uh, the um, Saudis had to say. Take a listen. Good evening, Your Excellencies. Ladies and gentlemen, and viewers at home, my name is Kanal Malki. I am the spokesman of the Ministry of Defense. Today, I will be discussing the finding of the attack on Saudi Aramco processing facility that occurred four days ago on the 14th of September 2019. First of all, I would like to assert the Kingdom's Okay, guys, so this is a conference with the colonel that represents the Department of um, Defense, and they have pieces of drones and missiles on display. Uh, They talk about the uh, Iranian Delta Wing UAV. Um, Just so you guys know... They're saying that it came from the north um, and it came from Iran. I'm telling you that Al-Qaeda is funding, uh, is being funded, and we all know, through um, terrorist sponsoring organizations. And I'm going to drop a name of an organization that is empowering youth across the globe for jihad, and that is the Mara. Ma'arif Foundation, M-A-A-R-I-F Foundation. It is actually sponsored. It it is a state foundation by Turkey, specifically Erdogan. It pushes the Muslim Brotherhood uh, words and encouragement. It takes on children to educate them that do not have money. It is a it is around the world. They have in in South America, in Europe, uh, Afghanistan. They have all the schools in Afghanistan. And then you wonder why we have so many issues in Afghanistan with the Taliban because they still maintain the idea of Al Qaeda. Remember, we had empowered them to help in Chechnya with the Russian jihad. Okay, Uh, and remnants of that radicalization have remained in the political party of Taliban. We have Qatar and Turkey fully funding terrorists, fully funding 
the Muslim Brotherhood. And one would have to wonder, why are we pointing the finger at Iran? Maybe to just put more pressure and maybe to have the Arab nations jump on it so Iran can come out and say they did it and point the finger. Point it already. This is how you put pressure. If you if you point the finger at someone that they're doing it when they're not doing it, then they have to point the finger to who's really doing it. Because right now, we've got even more sanctions going against Iran, more economic sanctions, which is going to push what? The European Union to expose themselves. The actual malicious and nefarious network globally to expose themselves. Take a listen to what CBS had to say in regards to missiles fired on Saudi plant that were launched from Iran. That is what they're saying. But remember where, what area they're talking uh, the south um, east, uh, the southwest of Iran, northeast of Syria, or maybe even Qatar. Take a listen. On Tuesday, the exact origins of weapons used to deliver a crippling blow to the world's largest oil production facility. A senior U.S. official tells CBS News the missiles fired on Saudi Arabia's refinery over the weekend were launched from Iran. As U.S. military analysts comb through intelligence data, the Trump administration is weighing its options for a proportional response. President Trump said Monday he does not want war with Iran. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is set to arrive in Saudi Arabia on Wednesday, where he will meet with the crown prince. David Martin has more from the Pentagon about the Iranian technology used in the attack. U.S. officials say experts have examined pieces of the wreckage on the ground in Saudi Arabia, identified the specific type of cruise missiles and drones fired, and determined they were made in Iran. Other analysts have traced their tracks back to points in southwestern Iran. One official called it a complex and coordinated attack involving two dozen drones and nine cruise missiles. Although Vice President Pence stopped short of saying flatly it was Iran. It's certainly looking like Iran was behind these attacks. Our intelligence community at this very hour is working diligently to review the evidence. Iran appears to have found a gaping hole in Saudi air defenses around their most valuable asset, oil. Saudi Arabia relies on U.S.-made Patriot air defense batteries, but they were all pointed south toward Yemen, where past missile attacks have come from. The missiles and drones that hit the oil facilities this weekend came in from the north. The U.S. has Patriots of its own at an air base in the middle of the country, but they were too far away. Having been unable to prevent the attack, the U.S. warned it might retaliate. We're locked and loaded. And we're ready to defend our interests and our allies in the region. Make no mistake about it. U.S. has been locked and loaded since last spring when it sent an aircraft carrier and B-52 bombers to the Persian Gulf. But Joint Chiefs Chairman General Joseph Dunford told reporters the president has not yet asked for any military options. For now, the most concrete consequence of what Secretary of State Pompeo called an unprecedented attack on the world's energy supply is that President Trump said he'd prefer not to meet with Iranian President Rouhani next week when world leaders gather at the U.N. David, maybe Ilhan Omar is going to go, but take a listen to what how they analyze this. Martin joins me now from the Pentagon. David, as you reported, the Iranians seem to have discovered a weak spot in Saudi Arabian defense systems. Do we know what is being done to address that vulnerability? 
Well, that's going to be uh, topic number one when uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo arrives in uh, Saudi Arabia. He's leaving later tonight to uh, meet with Saudi leaders. And the sudden realization of how vulnerable these oil facilities are, which of course are the, uh, uh, the heart and soul of the uh, Saudi economy, uh, has been a, a, a cold shock. Uh, U.S. intelligence had not expected Iran would be so bold as to attack Saudi Arabia directly. And as a result, all the air defenses uh, around those oil facilities were looking in other directions for missiles fired from Yemen by Iranian proxies. And these, uh, these missiles were fired from Iranian territory and met absolutely uh, no opposition. So the, the very first thing uh, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia have to agree on is how they are going to uh, build up the defenses around these, these critical facilities. You know, I just wanted to say, it absolutely makes no sense, right, guys? Why would Rouhani be sitting with Prime Minister Abe of Japan and then have a ship that that had that was leased by Japan? Leased, right? It wasn't a Japanese ship. It was a ship leased by Japan. Bomb. Why would Iran provoke Saudi Arabia while they're under scrutiny and being pushed around with economic sanctions and the European Union is not meeting the requirements of their treaty. Why would they do this? It makes absolutely no sense in any universe that you would think of it. So you have to think when, when things like this happen, it's like, it's like, it's a strategy who benefits who benefits from putting more pressure on Iran to be compliant? The European Union? Probably. But who else? Who else? Who else would win from a war in Iran right now? Which country, specific, would win with a war in Iran right now? It's not the United States. Who is it? It's Turkey. Turkey would benefit the most. You know what's really funny is that Turkey, Russia, and Iran got together. Russia said, yo, Saudi Arabia, since you're having a problem, I'll send you anti-missile defense. Forget the American ones. Let's, let's work opportunists right there, Putin. He's like a salesman all the time, right? He's like, yo, we, we, I fix it. Don't worry about it. Think about it. As... Erdogan is trying to annihilate the Kurds, isolate them in northeastern Syria, keep all the terrorist cells on that end, at the same time trying to invade Syria for land and hungry for oil as he is in maritime. Who would benefit the most if Iran were to collapse? Who would help NATO forces get into Iran first? Who is the second largest army on the planet that would invade Iran? Exactly. Turkey. And the fact that these are supposedly Iranian-made who is Iran trading with? Who are they still trading with that aren't upholding the sanctions from the United States? Turkey. Now, if I was funding you and nobody else was funding you and you were making paintings, let's say, right? And you had acrylic paint and you only use red, white, and blue. And I wanted to set you up 
wouldn't I put paintings with acrylic paint of red, white, and blue that I sold to you, that you get from me, that I supply to you, since I'm the world's manufacturers, the best one of red, white, and blue paintings, right? Who is the top UAV manufacturer? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Turkey. So if Turkey is creating drones for Iran that may or may not have the capabilities to fly that far, if Turkey deployed it from, let's say, I don't know, Syria, wouldn't it look like Iran did it? I mean, we've really got to take a step back when we see these things. When we see people pushing for war and calling our president of a JJ for not bombing them, yeah, bomb them, just annihilate them, right? All those people, just kill them. Because we don't want the world to know what we did with Iran years ago. How we created the poverty that most of them live in. The structure that is now there. We don't want people to know. Let's just... Put it under, you know, how you used to like stuff toys under your bed when your mom would tell you to clean up. You would just throw everything under the bed. This is exactly what they do, only they want to make a bed of rubble, of death and destruction. We don't need that. We do not need that. Saudi Arabia knows best because Saudi Arabia would have struck back. Like Iran, what are you doing, man? Kingdom would have struck back. Qatar is sitting in the middle just laughing like, yep, you go. We knew something was up. This is why we sent 500 troops to Saudi Arabia in their, I would say, central southeastern portion, uh, you know, to help beef up their defenses, not to Yemen, but to Qatar. Okay, let's be straight. And so now for it to come over the Gulf from Iran, supposedly from the northeast of Saudi Arabia to come in and attack means that, you know, the southwest portion western portion of Iran is compromised with al-Qaeda. But we already know that because they're in Syria and they're at the borders of Iran. We already know that. We're acting as if this is like something new that we don't know. Again, who benefits from this? You always have to see. There's always motivation. Remember, we said extrinsic, intrinsic, right? There is always motivation. Who is the most motivated to to annihilate Iran, the United States? No. What benefit will that have? Yeah, okay, it'll have the benefit that maybe we can go in there and take over their oil, but we're not like that anymore. We've got President Trump. Maybe we'll go in there and annihilate all of them and slaughter women and children. No, we don't do that. So what is the benefit here for the United States? Not much, okay. What, diffusing uh, you know, terrorist cells? Dude, you're gonna give birth to more. More people are gonna be pissed off and more people are going to be attacking because so many innocent people are going to be hurt who is going to benefit that's right it's turkey the warmongers are showing their face they are the ones that are behind this and i'm telling you this now and you will discover this in about mm, i don't know seven months because that is how the timeline works i mean time travel and all right so you have to think who benefits Listen to what NBC Nightly News in this one-minute clip said. Tonight, U.S. intelligence indicates the unprecedented attack on Saudi oil fields originated from Iran. Using a combination of low-altitude cruise missiles and drones to evade radar, two U.S. officials tell NBC News. They say the missiles were fired from at least one location in western Iran. Now Secretary of State Pompeo is traveling to Saudi Arabia, which U.S. officials say could retaliate against Iran with U.S. support, but without the U.S. firing a shot. After earlier tweeting he was locked and loaded, 
President Trump Monday said he wants to avoid military conflict. I don't want war with anybody. And the military is also cautioning against striking Iran, though it is revisiting a list of possible targets, including oil facilities or Revolutionary Guard missile launch sites. The intelligence is now being shared with senators. I think the president needs to act now, and he needs to act with partners in a fashion so the Iranians will not do this ever again. If the president starts a war against Iran to protect the Saudis, I will tell you this, we will file a motion immediately to force this to the floor of the Senate and force there to be a vote. Tonight, Saudi Arabia says it has restored half of its oil production, much faster than expected. So U.S. analysts are now reducing their predictions of a possible 25 cent per gallon rise in gas prices down to 20 cents. NBC News fans, thanks for checking. Okay, so you guys, listen to uh, Lindsey Graham. You need to see that clip. Totally, like, sided his face. Didn't really show it much. Was, like, kind of like, yeah, 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 we need to. Here's here's what's really happening. How do you pick a war and point the finger at the second largest military force of NATO? The second largest military force of NATO that is broke that is sitting in land that is flanked by Russia, the European Union, and the Middle East, that can go pear-shaped at any time, that will incite jihad like nobody's business, that has their ships, warships, in the Mediterranean by Libya. They are in the Gulf, okay? They are in the Gulf, in the Gulf, in the Gulf, they're everywhere. How do you pick a war? You can't. So what do you do? Expose them and point it out and demonstrate it. But you can't. You can't just say, wait, wait, wait. It's not Iran. It's actually Turkey. Oh, Western controlled missile base. You mean the one that Al Qaeda has, the one that overlaps with Syria, right? Is that the one that you're talking about? Which one are you talking about? Because we all know one group of people, the Muslim Brotherhood, benefit from this. One group of, group of people. And uh, you know what? Don't, it, this is going to be a prediction, but you watch them now try to shift the blame to Israel, especially now that they're volatile with their elections. You just keep your eyes peeled because this is s- strategy. But again, no need to worry. The blonde-haired, blue-eyed Russian army will come down from the north and people will realize just who the real allies of humanity are. I'll see you all tomorrow, same time, same place. God bless. Town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to their necks.